What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer and Aaron Dotson with Christianity Now. And this is the podcast or the or the live stream where we talk about contemporary issues, timely issues facing the church or the church faces from the timeless perspective of God's word or the perspective of God's timeless word, maybe. Anyway, we have a verse that helps us. So, Aaron. Yes, we do. We have the verse from First Chronicles 1232 that describes the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. These were men that David needed that helped David. That's it. If you don't know what's going on in the world, how in the world can you function? Yep. So we, yeah, we can learn. Know. We can learn from that that there's supposed to be people among God's people that know about the times. And, and they know the right advice because they have the right understanding. They have the right advice to give, and they're I people know. to whom God's people look. And and you know, I'm going to just, I may get in trouble for this, but you know another way of saying that? There's one word that sums that up that we're told we should never talk about in the Lord's church. You know what that one word would be? <laughs> what? Politics. Politics. Seriously. That, yeah, that's don't. the... An understanding of the times is political views. Mm-hmm. But we're told we can't talk about politics. Right. No. If if I read the Bible and I compare the world to it, well, what's another? The polis, the things going on in the population, the polis, that's politics. Yep. Oh, my brethren. We've, we've missed the mark. Yep. We've anyway. excused ourselves from responsibility that we have by saying that's politics and we don't need to talk about it because we're people of the Bible. That's well, the it. Bible applies to everything. Hello. That's it. And, you know, if, if we're, we're going to, we've got four videos, we've got three, two, two of them, we're not going to have a whole lot to talk about. We're just going to kind of acknowledge it and, and it's going to be a bump in the road along our, our little show map. But one, we're probably going to have quite a bit to say about. But then I do have a stump the preacher for you today, Aaron. Cool. Okay, I'm ready. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I thought it was a really good one. Um, from what can you separate your faith? Politics, Barry. Why would you ask such a question? <laughs> Barry was making... Sorry, for those of you that don't know, Barry and I go back 20 years. Actually, more than 20 years. I I I, I didn't just read... Barry's comment. I heard Barry's comment because so because I'm so familiar with Barry and and he was he was asking the rhetorical question. The rhetorical answer is, or the answer to that rhetorical question is nothing. You cannot separate your faith from anything. That's but right. I, I I responded in a very sarcastic way to 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 make a point and to have fun with my friend. And I just realized that may have not come across well to others that don't know our relationship. So I do apologize for the terseness of that and how it must have looked to people that don't know that Barry and I go way back. All right. Now that I've thoroughly confessed my sins. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Barry, the very next comments. Oh yeah. I forgot. <laughs> like I, I forget this with Barry a lot. Barry will make a post and I'll, I'll put a comment pretty dry ironic, sarcastic comment, and I will get Christians that will chide me thinking, like, I'm, I've, 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 I've been so epic in my sarcasm that I will get Christians chiding me thinking that I hold the view that I was being sarcastic about. So right. Right. I, I've always, I've always heard that, um, what, you know, that, when when you're so epic and and good in your sarcasm that other people think you're stupid, and uh, so yeah. Anyway, that's all I've got here. Aaron, why don't we get into this? That sounds good. I was sitting Wait. here trying to share around the video this morning. Yeah. I tried to. I added channels prior to going into this, but it's not live streaming simultaneously. It's not live streaming simultaneously. No, I thought it would be on my pages that that it said added successfully, but so I went to it and it, it was you, not. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to make me an editor of your two by two so I yeah. can just click the button and stream it on your two yeah. by two. That way the folks that watch you in Jonesburg can watch from two by two, their comments will still be all aggregated here in the comment section. Yeah. 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 So anyway, Aaron, 
we took a week off last week. Actually, I knew you were going to be gone. Um, I, I needed, I, I've been going so hard with podcasts and stuff like that. I just took a week off from it. And, and that scared uh, me, man. I had to send you a text, make sure you was I alive. I was well, like, uh, you okay, man? <laughs> I didn't my, know. Yeah. My superpowers I not the communicating. Worst. I, I assumed the worst. I was just like, man, you doing okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. But how was your week? <laughs> It was great, man. My family has never taken what you think of as an official vacation. You yeah. know what? You know what it's like as an evangelist. Like you didn't go to a church event. You didn't go. No. Like you took an actual vacation. You got to yeah. go with my folks, uh, my siblings, and uh, of course uh, my whole crew. And we all went together, and we went to a little bit more remote beach. Actually, we went to uh, Perdido Key. And if oh, you can wow. go the week after Labor Day, I would suggest doing that because there weren't that many people there. Oh, and the amazing. weather was still warm enough. You could swim in the pool and you could swim in the ocean and it was not cold. Okay. Now, late in the evening, it was cool. Like when Cheyenne and I were the only ones at the pool and we get out, it's like cold because the wind's oh, yeah. blowing because it always blows on the beach. But anyhow, it was super pretty, super, super beautiful. It was not like Panama City, Pensacola. Gulf Shores, Orange okay. Beach, where there's people everywhere. It was okay. a lot less people, and I like that. So, well, got you. Man, that's awesome. It that's was really relaxing is. and enjoyed it and got salt everywhere, you know. And oh, of course fun. you did. And came in with beautiful skin, and I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah. Man, let me tell you something. I've never looked so good in my life at th than the year, the summer that I worked on that golf course as a greenskeeper. Yeah. I mean, just... It was it was before Anthony was born. No, it might have been right after Anthony was born. Anyway, I was my my hair. I had this long beach hair, beach blonde hair, and um, it was sun kissed. Um, I was tan. It was yep. just and 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 the heat. I was out there, you know, ten hours in the heat, just every day. Had no clue that it was dangerous. I mean, the the wind would blow across the fairway, and it's like opening a convection oven. Yeah. And you think you know, just well, spend spend that that spend ten hours a day in a sauna and see whether or not you don't lose a bunch of weight. Yeah. And um, the weight was just melting off of me. Not not and been back then, I was not fat like I am now. I mean, I was <laughs> you know, I, but <clears throat> I probably wore a thirty eight in the jeans when I started, and I. Bore about a 34 when I stopped, but I was still hefty, you know, like 280 pounds or so. Yeah. And uh, I was like, man, maybe maybe I ought to try that again, you know. When I was a little kid, I loved the beach. And then when I got older, I hated it. Now I'm kind of liking it a little bit more again. It's Oh, yeah. I got, couldn't live there, I don't think. You wouldn't take yeah. anything seriously, but it's right. It's nice. Yeah. How long have you been preaching, Aaron? Uh, since 02, however yeah, long. Let's so, see. One, one vacation in 11 years. That's not too bad. Yeah, 02 till now is 20 years, something like that. Oh, that is 20 years. 21 like years. Yeah, no, now, now, yeah, 21. Yeah. Now, full-time, I guess, full-time after school, you know, was 13 oh, yeah. till now. Yeah. Yeah, so one, one vacation in 13 years, not, pretty, not, 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 not too bad. Yeah, and even then, my mind was still moving all the time with the Bible in it. You know, you don't oh, of course divorce yourself from the Bible because you're a Christian plus you preach. So that's it. All right. Well, let's get in here. I'm going to put so this. I understand up. you have an argument against Calvinism. Yes. All right. Oh, oh, you already heard the. <laughs> I you already heard the beginning yeah. portion. Yeah. And th this is the this is the typical video where it's one person doing a skit. So if you ever hear me talk about skit videos, this is it. This 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 is it. Okay. Aren't you ready? Yes, sir. So I understand you have an argument against Calvinism. Yes, I do. If you believe in predestination, why should anyone ever evangelize? If God's already chosen who he's going to choose, then what's evangelism even for? Okay. So a lot of people use that. And here's the thing. I don't I don't I don't believe this is a straw man argument. I believe it's a valid argument. But to the Calvinist, it's a straw man argument because it's not it's it's not an argument from an understanding of their paradigm, right? Because he's going to he's going to destroy it right here, you know. You have so, to, I mean, to correctly answer them or sufficiently, you do have to work within their paradigm. Yes, have to. as much as possible. You can't let them have everything if it's 
right. against God's will. But M- most of the time, there may be some exceptions. Most of the time, you need to know their doctrine better than they do. Mm-hmm. All right, let's keep going. Okay, yes, we do believe in predestination, but we believe that God uses means to accomplish his ends. Gospel proclamation is the means by which God saves his elect. So evangelism is necessary. Well, then- All right, so before you hear the crafted retort. retort yeah um yeah so the the funny thing there that's really just a non-answer that's just telling me the is of what this this, this is telling me what is that doesn't tell me the why so you you're that in other words you you you've dove off into phenomenology god works through means yes the the means of salvation is the phenomenon of preaching okay? And he said, saving the elect, the ones that and, are already predetermined, and and yeah, and saving the elect. Why are those things? Like, why is that? If everybody's predestinated, you've got to explain that. And of course, this person never explains it. It's just a non-answer. It's something that sounds good. Yep. But he really didn't answer the question. Why? Because he doesn't have to answer the question because it's. Well, you, there, you, you, you people don't evangelize, and you don't feel like you should evangelize because of predestination, or because of predestination, you don't have to evangelize. Well, the answer is simply is yes, we do. Next question. Well, one Calvinist here in Jonesboro, if I, if I remember correctly, his explanation was, well, it's it explains why some hear it and do it, and some hear it and don't. Yeah, it was basically. But but he would never say that God takes away your free will. Right. No, he wouldn't. But th- then you're going in circles. They, that's really where you would get them, would it not? Yeah. Like, okay, so we're, we're called to evangelize. So you're telling me if God predestinates somebody to salvation and they never, ever hear the gospel, they're going to hell. No, I'm not. Then we're back to there's no need for evangelism. Yeah. Because then they would say, well, but the Spirit works, too. It's the Spirit and the Word. It's the Spirit. So the Spirit works apart from the Word and that kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Exactly. So this this answer is really a non-answer. Mm-hmm. All right, let's keep going. Would you believe that this is not the, um, the Calvinism is not the point of this video, Aaron? Oh, okay. That's cool. not the reason why I included it in our lineup. Yeah. I included it in our lineup because I felt like it held a mirror up to us. The way we argue. <laughs> well, not, not the way or, we argue. You'll see in a minute. Okay, okay, so, go well, ahead. Yeah, the way we argue, sure. But the, the I'll, I'll, I'll tell you in a second. You'll, you'll, it'll be revealed in due time. All right. All right. My experience, Calvinism kills evangelism. Well, regardless of your experience, history actually shows us that that's not true. Some of the most powerful evangelists. All right, but I'm, notice, regardless of your experience, we don't care about lived experience. We care about the totality of the phenomenon of what has happened in the world, okay? Of Calvinism does not kill evangelism if you're a Calvinist. <clears throat> and again, this is a this is a foolish way of arguing. You have you have left what is real and you've gone into feelings. We do this a lot. We argue with our feelings. Not that we argue with our feelings as in we're having an argument back and forth with our feelings, but we use our feelings and our personal experiences as argumentation. It's, it's the same thing as having a, a, a negative interaction with one particular subset of people with particular attributes and then extrapolating from that very small sample size of people with with particular attributes, uh, and uh, and applying that to everybody who who, who shares, are people, yeah, with those particular attributes, yeah. So it doesn't matter that in your in your experience, um, Calvinism kills evangelism. That's a bigoted statement because it it's, it shows a bias against Calvinist because it's just from your estimation. Yeah, but, they would say that's just your understanding of Calvinism. That's yeah. not my 
what I believe about Calvinism, which we well, say those kinds of things too. You know? Yes, well, they would actually say that's your experience. Or experience. Because yeah, that's, okay. what his, that's what his statement was. In yeah. my experience, you know, what I've seen, well, you've not seen everything. Right. But it's the same thing we get in the Church of Christ. Well, from my experience, you Church of Christers are all dogmatic and followers of the Restoration Movement, and you worship Alexander Campbell. And you think you're the only ones going to heaven? It's just another denomination. And you, and you bind a bunch of opinions and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. It's like okay, so there's some people out there that do that. I want you to talk about me. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. I can't talk about anybody else. Let's talk about me. Do I do that? And does the Riverview Church of Christ and Riverview New Brunswick do that? Right. The the people that accuse us of denominationalism, they will not have that conversation. And I just go ahead and flat out call a spade a spade. You're just a bigot. Yeah. You have had a negative interaction with a small subset of people who claim to be members of the Church of Christ, and you have bigotously applied that to everyone who claims to be members of the Church of Christ. Yep. Let us never fall into that trap whenever we deal with denominations. Because if if it, if in our experience Calvinism kills evangelism, and we think that Calvinists are not evangelist are not evangelistically minded. From our limited experience, we don't need to be so egocentric to think that the world revolves around us and we know everything and we see everything. Yeah. Because I can show you many Calvinists that are ultra ultra evangelistic. Yeah. Ray Ray Comfort Ray Water no. Ray Comfort from Living Waters Ministries, yeah. one of them. He got one of them study Bibles, and a, and a good bit of it that he talks about with apologetics is very good. Oh yeah, I don't it's, have it's a, one, but I've looked through one before. Yeah. yeah, and his YouTube channel is amazing. I've I've used a lot of his videos, and you know, it, it's. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad we have Apologetics Press. Mm-hmm. So anyway, let's get back to the video. I told you this is the one we're going to spend the most time on. Evangelists in history have been Calvinistic in their soteriology. George Whitfield was oh, known. Soteriology, that's the study of salvation. Yep. I want to back this up just a little bit. So, in case people forgot, the rebuttal was in my experience, Calvinism kills evangelism. And here's that, that that's a terrible argument. Your experience doesn't matter in relation to what is because you haven't experienced all the things. So don't be a bigot. This guy, the 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 made up guy, is actually being a bigot here. All right. Evangelism kills evangelism. Well, regardless of your experience, history actually shows us that that's not true. Some of the most powerful evangelists in history have been Calvinistic in their soteriology. George Whitfield was known for preaching the gospel to thousands of people at a time, and he was a Calvinist. There's also been a revival of street preaching in our day, and a lot of those guys out on the street, they're Calvinists. Boom. I'm going to stop there. Now we're getting into the segment of the video where I think it holds a, holds a picture up to us. I've I've been told that we don't need to go out in public and make a fuss. That there's a time and a place for everything. And standing on the street corner and preaching or bothering people in public, that's not the time nor the place nor the proper method of evangelism. No. <laughs> what, what about I, what about Jesus and the apostles? <laughs> I mean, I think about I Much think of about ministry was public. What did what did God tell Jeremiah to do? Go stand in the gates and proclaim this message. Mm-hmm. And again, I, okay, so the rebuttal might be, well, Tony, that's fine. I don't ever see you out there preaching. You're right. I don't. My particular talent doesn't lie in that way. But I, even though I don't get a milk crate or a soapbox and a bullhorn and stand up and do that. That doesn't mean that I hide my Christianity whenever I meet people in public. Man, people everywhere I go, and I I think that's one reason why the Riverview Church of Christ is doing so well, um, is they've been told for the last decade that this land hates Christianity, and you can't talk about your Christianity with anybody up here. And then I've shown them everywhere I go, people know I'm a Christian. They know that I worship with the Riverview Church of Christ. 
I really feel bad about the frame that I paused that poor guy on. I'll, yeah. I'll win better than that. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, 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 <laughs> poor old fella. Right. <laughs> he's strained but over there. <laughs> he, he, uh, he's, it's so bad. I should have stopped him on a different frame. All right. So anyway, my, but, but back to my point. Um, that's that defeatist attitude, though. This is the defeatist attitude. Well, Christianity, just, everybody hates Christianity. No, yes. everybody doesn't hate Christianity. Right. No, they don't. And, 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 of course, there was a reason why they were groomed to have this defeatist attitude, because if they have this defeated at, defeatist attitude, they need money from the states to function. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's where all the money from the states had been coming from, because we need money up here. We need, we need evangelism. We need help. And, of course, we uncovered that problem and, and finished it. You can you make know? that same—you can—, you can play that same tune about America, any country. Absolutely. And nobody wants the gospel here. Nobody wants yeah. it. And everybody hates yeah. us. And it's just defeated. I That's mean, it. it's bad. It's a very bad situation to be in when you look at you we got to look at it from the from the standpoint of the gospel saves. Yes. And the Lord, we're on the Lord's side. And there Jameson, are people that do want the gospel. Sorry. Oh, absolutely. Jameson Stewart says teaching online is proclaiming the gospel publicly. Just in it's yeah, teaching online is the new street preaching. Absolutely. It really is. Yeah, because on the street, most people generally don't won't stop. You may get you may grab some and they're worth it. I'm not we're not yeah. I'm not saying they're not, but but it is. This yeah. is like a public media, just like standing in the public square yeah. of a town is like it was then, is what I'm saying. Well that and if and if I think it's very comparable. Yes. If you're charismatic and 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 Aaron, I hope you don't take offense to this. Me and you don't fit the bill. I don't think me and you are charismatic enough to be good street preachers. Mm-hmm. I ain't going to lie to you. I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of somebody that would be a good street preacher. Not very Matt, many Matt, people. Huh? Matt, Matt Jones. Matt Jones would be a good street preacher. Probably. Honestly, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking about um, like Ty Rhymes. Mm-hmm. You don't. You may not know him. But, I know of him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But him he he personally. would probably be a good street preacher. He would be totally different than Matt Jones, though. Yeah. I hope Ty Rhymes' ears are burning. Hope he knows we're talking about him. Yeah. Um. And Matt Jones might I, be I've more inclined. I've always been impressed with him. He might be more inclined to do one-on-one street, you know, than he would like Matt, proclamation or something. Matt, Matt Jones would start on the soapbox, would end up in the kitchen. That yeah, and I would probably be more inclined to do that too. Yeah. I feel like somebody like Ty Rhymes would start on the soapbox and have people with them, with him that would end up in the kitchen. If that makes any sense. Like I, I would put Ty Rhymes on the soapbox and I would like, I would have me and you and, and a couple of other, like me, you Barry and, and somebody else, maybe Jameson and, and uh, Jonathan Exum. And we would be as, as the people are gathered, we would be, uh, talking to them and getting one-on-one studies with them. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know why I picked Ty Rhymes. He's just the one that came to mind. Yeah. And, and there's, it's not, there's it's not probably just with others. how he looks, by the way. Yeah. I want to make that clear. <laughs> I just, I, I've, I've heard him speak and I've, yeah. I've, anyway, that's, that's about all I'm going to say about well, that. Well, you said too. something about his looks because you're hoping his ears are really burning now. Oh, I guarantee it. On I'm fire. hoping things are smoking. <laughs> all right. Good deal. Deborah O'Neill says, I see dozens of baptisms every week in this country. People are seeking the gospel here. Just because some ex-president said we aren't a Christian nation anymore doesn't mean people aren't seeking and saving the lost. It's the same for Africa and several other countries, including I, I, I really think about India. You know, there there's some issues with, with the church in India, and there's you got to be careful sending money to India and the scams and stuff like that. But there are... There are whole denominational congregations that are converting to Christianity because of the efforts that's going on in India. And most of that street, let me tell you something, when you, when you graduate to preaching school in India, you don't send out resumes and get a job making $50,000, $60,000, $70,000 a year. You know what you get when you graduate preaching school in India? A Bible, a, Bible, probably. a bullhorn, and a bicycle. <laughs> BBB. <laughs> The triple B. The triple B. Go out there. Hey, there's your church. Go out there and start it. Go out there and plant it. That's it. 
All right. Thank you for that comment. And, of course, Jonathan Exum, for God's love, the world includes everyone, not a chosen few. All right, let's keep on going. The, like I said, this is a segment of this video where I feels like I feels like I feel like it holds a mirror up to us. Yeah. Boy, possum tried Tennessee come out mad. It feels yes. like it. Yeah, it feels as like it. All right. I don't think you should preach on the street. That's just going to turn people off to the gospel. So you're actually saying we shouldn't go out on the street and preach the gospel? Listen, what we should do is just live our lives in such a way that people see Christ in us. So it's the Calvinists who are killing evangelism then? Things on. Boom. Oh, I thought I had a. Okay, that's a bad jump cut. I thought I put a transition in there. Hold on. There we go. All right, now let me get him off the screen. Good morning. That way, Good morning, that way we don't Riggs. do him dirty. Yeah. Good morning, Trish Riggs. Good to see you. All right. So, do you see how now what I'm talking about? How it kind of holds a mirror up to us. Do yep. you think we've been? Do you think we've stopped focusing so much on personal evangelism as a general rule? And I, I, I don't want to be bigoted like I just right. accused other people of being bigoted to us because that we got 14 people listening here. The congregation where you are. Y'all may be whooping up a storm out there in evangelism. So please understand the only way we can discuss this is from our personal interactions and experiences and where we and, and what we have seen. So it's all anecdotal. Um, but I yeah, you, so un, understand that we're not trying to make big broad blanket right, statements. Right. That we're condemning. You know, you gotta take the picture as a whole and and where, you know call a spade a spade and when they were godly people just like the whole door knocking effort it's kind of a nationwide door knocking effort yeah. that some of the brethren associated with house to house have tried to get going yes see there are godly people that are trying to get out of the building go to sinners give them an opportunity to have a bible study and that kind of yes. thing and perhaps there are thousands of involved in that i know matt wallens and some others would know that work with house to house but i would venture to say there are probably it wouldn't surprise me if there were a few thousand people or more yeah. all over the country in that united effort. They just do that. I think they do that like on a certain day because it gets people moving, it gets people excited. And hey, this month, this time of the month in the fall, we're going to go out. And you know, brethren in other counties and other states are doing it. I mean, it's, I, I think it's good. I think, and, and my rebuttal, and I, I cannot stand all the arguments that pop up around that time of year. Well, I just, door knocking is just not effective anymore. Oh, it's not? Look, we got to do something till Jesus gets back. Yep. Or it's not a good time of the year because it's football season. Well, there's a sport every oh, season. Good I grief. mean, I, I hear brethren talk about that. We just don't need to do that right now. It's football yeah. season. But I, there's a sport every season. I know. So I, do you not do nothing or what? I know. Whenever we were in Cabot, Arkansas, I scheduled a gospel event. And turns out it it happened on the, the Saturday of it was the opening day of Dove season, I think. And oh. I had somebody tell me about how they wouldn't be there, and I probably shouldn't have scheduled on the open day of Dove season. I just I, I looked at them, and I, I did this number. I said, listen, give me a moment. I'm going to look deeply into your eyes and try to get down to your very soul. Mm -hmm. And I paused for about three seconds, and oh, it was a pregnant pause. I said, I am not articulate enough to express to you how little I care that you're not going to be there because you're going to be in the dove field. Yep. This event isn't for you then. Yep. Well, that made me a bad person. Yeah. This event is for people who want to help win souls, not just kill ducks. Exactly. Know. All right, Barry, the I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day mentality has shut many people up. I understand the sentiment, but I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And Deborah O'Neill, yes, I believe it, it was me. Well, I may have got, I don't know that I got this from somebody else, but I certainly come up with this because of teachings from other people. So I don't know that I can claim credibility or claim credit. Uh, I believe it was Tony that said door knocking does work because the Lord's work is being done. Yeah, my, I think but what I said exactly was door knocking is 100% effective 100% of the time because the people who do it can stand before Jesus on the day of judgment and say, I, I tried my best to fulfill my obligation to the Great Commission. Yep. Because it gets the Lord's people working. 
You know, something I recently came to my mind was how we just need to love the work of the Lord. In my what a novel idea. In my experience, from my point of view, yes, it seems that we're more concerned with the results on the back end, on the back end, or the you know what I'm trying to say, the later on results, or we're more concerned on the other, on the front end, how much it costs. Right. We focus too much on those. Those are concerns. Like, yeah. you know, if we only have 10,000 bucks in the treasury, we can't spend 10 million, not immediately anyway. We no. can't spend 10 million on advertising. So, I, you know, we all, we all know that, you know, two yeah. plus two equals four and all that. But, and then on the other end, we're constant. A lot of times we're focusing too much on the results. Now, yes. if you're just going to an island and there's nobody there, then you're not going to have results. Right. There's zero souls on the island, then you don't need to go to that island. We understand that, but yeah. nobody does that. You know, we use these hyperboles to prove points, and I think that's okay, but we don't do that. We're, you go into your community, you door knock 100 people, and then nobody comes to church you know. know, because of it, and then we think it's not worth it. Well, that there's so many things flawed with that way of thinking. We're not trying to get people to merely come to church. We're trying to put a face on the church. We're trying to show people we care. We're trying to teach them the Bible, have a Bible study with somebody, not get, not merely get them to come to the building to, yeah. you know, to think, to come to church. So, Cause really the church service is for the church, not the world. So say that know, one more time for the people <laughs> the in the back. Yeah. The church service is not for the world. It's for the church. But we've turned the Lord's Day into an evangelism project. You know, we yes, like we cater have. the worship service merely to them. And 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 I could go on and on about that. But we're we're selfishly using all the other days of the week for ourselves. And Sunday, we got to stack all of our events on Sundays and Wednesdays, all of hey, our meetings, all of our yes. this, all of our th- and it's like, quit doing that. Let let the church and Christ saturate your whole life as much as possible, not, not stack it all on a Sunday and a Wednesday only because I'm busy. Otherwise, Aaron, I was chided by an eldership one time. I was preaching through the parables and towards the end, like I was about to end up anyway. I didn't have it. Two more left. I was going to cover. And the elder set me down and said, Hey, you know, we, we've been notified by some of the members. I'm like, (laughs) Oh, my. Well, Here that's we never good. So that Here tells me that you're not running the congregation. Yeah, the flock's telling the, sh- the telling the shepherds what to do. But go ahead. Yes. And um, we just wonder, since we're streaming our services on uh, online and stuff, if you could preach more gospel-oriented sermons. <laughs> I'm like, how are the parables not the gospel? <laughs> yeah. I, I said, but, but we know what they meant. They meant because there's sinners watching online. I guess I know. Cater it more to people that are not members, but, but yeah, that's not but, what the assembly's about. No, that's not. That's what I told them. And uh, I said the the assembly is not an evangelistic tool. That's the right. assembly is only for passive. That, that's that's the problem of streaming your service online. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. We we don't stream our service online at Riverview. Yeah. We don't put we don't put the well with the, unless I screw up and, and and send the sermon to the wrong location. We don't even stream our sermon and Bible class online. We yeah. we put it in a private group so people can come back and listen to it later, or people who are out of town that are only members of our congregation can listen to it. I've suggested that here. We may do that eventually one day. Yes, I and, like that. Uh, and I'm like. I, I, what you're telling me, I said, I need some guidance. Tell me what, tell me how I can preach and what it means to be a gospel sermon. Aaron, they couldn't. Right. It blew their mind. Yeah. I said, so this conversation really isn't helpful. This critique isn't really helpful. You're just trying to appease the flock. People. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the flock running the congregation. That was Strathmore Church of Christ, by the way, in Toronto. I do bad. not care. I do not care about calling their name. Well, the, that that's when shepherds are being led by the sheep instead yes. of the shepherds leading the sheep. That's the I, way it always was. I, I got I, off I, on all. I know. I, I was just gonna say I got off on all this, and I want to go back to what I was trying to really oh, emphasize. Yeah, sorry. We need to love the work of the Lord. Yeah, like, love the game, as you say. You know, yes. like get love. Me... When you do that, then you're gonna you're not gonna be so downtrodden and nobody wants it and all and let me give an illustration that might help us 
as you know, I smoke meat. All right. I'm a barbecuist. Mm-hmm. I've been told I'm pretty good at it. I am loath to say I'm pretty good at it because that means the next cook I have is going to go wrong and it's going to be inedible. Yeah. All right. That's just how it works. Dear God in heaven, I'm not bragging. I'm just, I'm like Donald Trump. I've been told I'm the best is what other people tell me. Anyway, um, so it's not, it's not me saying it, it's what other people. All right. But people ask me all the time, Tony, what kind of smoker do I get? And I always have to ask them, do you enjoy the end product or do you enjoy the journey? Well, oh, I just want the end product. Then go spend 300 bucks and get yourself an electric smoker. Yes. It, it's the absolute cheapest you can do. You yep. can you can you can have awesome barbecue. The purists are going to make fun of you because you didn't use a a barrel smoker offset. You didn't burn sticks and all that. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy. I I I have a good blend in my Kamado smoker. It's like a big green egg, but it's a different brand. Where I I do enjoy the journey, but I also kind of. I need I need some almost set it and forget it. So I've got a Kamado smoker. What I wish I had was a really high dollar, you know, very expensive barrel offset barrel smoker. Um, but you know, it's three or four thousand dollars and all that good stuff. But I love the journey. I love yep. stoking the fire, making the fire, tending the fire, uh, watching the meat, stuff like that. But if all you want's barbecue, get you a Less than $300 electric smoker from Sam's Club, Costco, or Walmart. Fill your hopper up with with wood chips and then turn that thing on and set it and forget it. And 12 hours later, you'll come back to some of the best pulled pork you'll ever have in your life. Yep. And if all you want is the taste anyway, then just go buy barbecue from a restaurant. I mean, well, if that, you just that, hate that would cooking be, right. and there's, you don't want to do it at all, you know? Yeah. That that um, would be that that would be the the farthest extent of yes. I only care about the product. And no, we can't do that as a Christian. Let me make a comment about that as a Christian, as children of God. Let's just be on. Let's say you're listening one of the, whenever whether it's live or post live, and you're thinking, I don't, I've never evangelized like I should. I've never gone in public. I've never had a one on one. But I'm I'm legitimately scared and I'm ignorant of what I how I can do it. Yeah. But I desperately do want the end result because I know my Lord wants that. And he commands me to. Okay. Yeah. Then my suggestion is learn from some people who do. That's it. Who do get out there and then get out there with them and do it. Learn. You can learn. It's not rocket science, but it is helpful to have someone that has experience. You go with someone that has experience, learn from them how to have a Bible study with somebody, and they can set you on the right path pretty quick because it's not that hard. It, it doesn't take that long to get warmed up. It doesn't. No. You know, remember Memphis School of Preaching and the door knockings? Oh, no. I mean, I scared to death at first. By the time it was all yeah. over, and I hate dogs, by the way. When it was I'm all over, well, I say hate them. I hate them mean dogs is what I mean. Yeah. I'm um, you know, I'm I'm that guy looking at every dog like he's Cujo, you know, but it's just. Well, I mean, but, pe- but people I mean, always ask if my dog bites. I says, yes, he does. And people <laughs> are like, what? I'm like, yeah. he's got a mouth. Yeah, he's got a mouth. He I don't know you. I can't swear he won't bite you. And I, I see, you. I'd rather have that from a dog owner than all oh, he won't bite. He's always got blood on his lips. You know, I hate that kind of. It's like, don't give me that. Just tell me, like, I'd rather hear you just say, he's got a mouth. Now, he he don't make a regular habit of it. He shouldn't, yeah. but he's got a mouth. He can. So just watch yourself and don't poke him. Don't prod him. Don't say, choke yeah. him. Same way with horses. People walk up. Hey, does your horse kick? He's got a he, yes. He got legs. He's never kicked me. Yep. But they ain't over yet, and he's got four legs. Yep. Yep. Oh me. Anyway, just, uh, we need to enjoy the process. Yeah, love for the, the process's sake. Because we're serving the master, and 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 a lot of things, good things, come along in that process, including yeah. our own personal growth. That's what Absolutely. happened at MSOP with the door knocking and things. I learned to, I, each time I'd go out, I was like, "My Lord did this. Yep, my master did this." And, and the apostles, the footsteps of my master. I know, and the the apostles did this, and they didn't know what would happen to them. They didn't know who would do what at what door. They well, didn't know. There was a bigger chance they'd die from it than, than if we do it I, today. I know. I know. Yep. All right. Let me take care of these comments, Aaron, and then we're gonna we're gonna move on from this. I think we've I, 
you hit the nail on the head. We need to enjoy the work. Yep. Let God and can you find a passage of scripture that says that 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 has that principle contained in it? Yes. We do the work, God gives the increase. So we got to We give need him to something. enjoy the work. As Brock Kendall says, we need to give him something to increase. That's it. Uh one of my shepherds, this is Brock, one of my shepherds preached this past Sunday and his entire emphasis was on the purpose of of the assembly. Mainly how the purpose is to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. He mentioned how we consider the preacher as in a slump if it has been months since someone has come forward or been or been baptized or comes forward to be baptized. That's it. And Keith Moser said that that somebody an eldership made a joke about, well, we're going to start paying you per baptism. And <laughs> it was it was within earshot of Keith Moser. He said, You couldn't afford it. All I have to yeah. do is have one. Yeah. And what's what's a man's soul worth in comparison to the whole world? Exactly. And Good of response. course, Deborah, Deborah uh, echoes our sentiments about the grilling and the smoking, and then uh, the people about the dogs. Yeah, does your dog bite? He's got a mouth, my man. He's yeah. got a mouth. Yeah. All right. Let's go into this next Husband, video. Listen, what we should do is just live our lives in such oh, a way on. that people see Christ in us. So it's the Calvinists who are killing evangelism, then. All right. Now let me get us back to where we need to be. Now, this video that I want to introduce this because I've had some very regular listeners kind of express sentiments like um, talking about taking verses out of context and about interpretation. I do not have anybody in mind. I just want to put this principle out there. If, If, well, just understand I don't have anybody in mind. And it's a good it's a good conversation to have whenever we discuss to think about whenever we're discussing people that disagree with us. It's almost along the same vein as if you're going to argue with a Calvinist, you must argue from his paradigm of belief. If you're going to talk to people that have taken verses out of context or that are misinterpreting verses, it doesn't help to say certain things. It may be true that they're taking it out of context. It may be true that they're misinterpreting it. But we want to we want to tear down as many hurdles that bar entry into the kingdom as we can. And our method of argumentation might be one of those things we need to kind of revamp. A lot of times we're talking over each other. Yes. But, but anyhow. Yes. All right. Let's go. Things I will never do as a Christian, part three. I will never tell you that you're taking that verse out of context. Oh, that's interesting. So if you're never going to t- if you're never going to tell somebody you're taking the verse out of context, are you just saying that the person is right and, and it the, the context you say is right and the context I say is right and let's you know, just uh, two diametrically opposed ideas? <laughs> yeah. Well, let let's hear let's hear the man out. Because of course you don't think that you're taking that verse out of context. No one ever does. So if I tell you that you're taking the verse out of context, you'll just say, no, I'm not. And it just kind of <laughs> shuts down the conversation. Or worse, it could imply dishonesty. That you know you're taking it out of context and you don't care. So either it insults you and shuts down the conversation or it just shuts down the conversation. It's just not helpful. It doesn't get us anywhere. So if you and I differ about what the proper context is for interpreting a particular verse or where that particular context is supposed to point, what do I say instead? I just say, "Mm, that's not how I interpret it. And then I offer my interpretation. Now, that may not get us much farther, but at least I'm doing the other person the honor and respect of assuming that they're doing the best they can with the text, even if we happen to disagree on what the proper context is and what conclusions we should draw from that context. In a recent now. All right, let me back this up. Now, I think this one, and it touches on this idea of interpretation, context, stuff like that. So uh, I've, heard, I've heard people say, and, and they're well-meaning, and if you've ever said this, and if you've ever said this to me, I promise I'm not talking about you. This is just general. I've said it. Um, well, context and interpretation. There's only one interpretation. So I don't, I don't care what your interpretation is. No, no, no. There are thousands of interpretations. There are an infinite, an infinite amount of interpretations. 
Is infantile a word? That's no, I was going to say infinitesimal, but that's <laughs> yeah. infinitesimal means really, really small. Um, I used I used that ironically one time on a paper at MSOP, and instead I think instead of marking marking it wrong, they just pen whipped it. But yet, I think it was noised abroad that I use words that I don't know the meaning of, and I'm like, <laughs> y'all don't know me very well. I just wanted to see if they were pen whipping my papers. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so uh, what were that? Oh, yeah. There's that an context. infinite amount interpretation. of interpretation. Mm-hmm. So whenever somebody says, well, that's just your interpretation, I'm like, you're correct. So your interpretation is this. My interpretation is this. Let's Let's see which one is right. Why do you interpret this way? Here's why I interpret this way. And you actually have a dialogue. Mm-hmm. But if you just say, well, I don't care about your interpretation, it's not it's not our interpretation, it's just what the Bible says. That is false. I, I don't and we use this vernacular. I use it as well. I'm trying to get out of it. The Bible doesn't say anything. The Bible records what has been said, and it's up to us to interpret the meaning. Some people interpret it rightly, some people interpret it wrongly. Anyway, yep. what do you yep. got, man? Yeah. Well, that ain't my interpretation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of just instead of just saying your interpretation is wrong, you say, let's come to the proper understanding of this. Let's look at the context together. Yeah. You know, even if you've studied this and then you know that someone else, they may have studied it too, but you're convinced they're wrong. You're never going to go wrong going back to the context and making sure this is what it teaches, even though That's you it. may have looked at it 10 minutes ago, whatever. Because, you know, obviously, as a Christian, our work is to teach people. And so instead of just saying things like, well, you know, there's only statements that are similar that make me think of this are statements like it doesn't matter what you think. All that matters is what the Bible says. And I know what we mean by that. But, man, that's really going to block a door when you could have just said, can we can we look at this to get can I got my Bible here. Let's look at Ezekiel 42 together. And can we just kind of yes. walk through the verses together and look at, you know, that you may know someone you believe wholeheartedly they're dead wrong, but just to say, well, you know, it don't matter what you, and I've said that before, but the same thing by my, by my own words could be true of me. It don't matter what I say or think the Bible is, you know, all that matters is what the Bible says. Well then Aaron, then why are you saying anything? You know, if all that matters is what the Bible says, and why are you saying, of course, they're going to pick up. So you're saying what the Bible says, and I'm not. That's right. Well, even if that's what you believe, that's not the, that's probably not the, that's, that's not the wisest way to go about. Cause you're going to be, you're shutting, I think what he said, he didn't say shutting them down, but you're just, you're, it's basically what he said. Didn't he say something about that? Just that's like, it. you're by, just shutting by, it down the conversation. You're shutting and, it down. And it implies dishonesty. It could imply dishonesty. Like, you yeah. know you're taking this out of context. Yep. You know you're taking it out of context, and you just don't care. Yep. Yep. And is that, you're talking about the other person, for example? If I yeah. say of someone, you know you're ta- you're implying that they're dishonest, and they and it may not be their dishonesty. It's their misunderstanding. Right. They were guided down the wrong path, you know. Sorry, I was making notes so I wouldn't forget something. Yeah. Let me give no. you three phrases here that I use. And you can only use them if it's true. Oh, yeah, I see why you believe that. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Only, only use that if it's true. Yep. I have struggled with that issue or that passage of Scripture myself. Yep. I used to see it that way. Here's how I see it now, mm-hmm. and here's why. And never miss, never, never, um, never underestimate the power of picking out something that they say. Like, hey, baptism is just an outward work of an inward change. It's it's not, it's not the be all end all of salvation. Oh well, you know you're exactly right. It is not the be all end all of salvation. And here's how we know that that. You know, Romans 10 talks about coming to God and never once mentions salvation. But let's look at exactly what what role baptism does play yep. in this process. Yeah. 
So you're exactly right. So you've validated them. You've let them know that you're listening to them, and you've given them proof that you're validating them is not just some kind of cheesy tactic. Yep. Steel man their argument. Steel like, man it every time. And one of my things that I've tried that I feel like I've learned and I'm trying to continue to do and I advice to other people is like just as a teacher under the Great Commission, any Christian, just be honest with them. Like yes. it's okay to make statements that you that show a common ground that you agree together or to um for example, like even if I didn't know that argument or I just thought it was so ridiculous, I could say, I see what you're saying now. now you know, the yeah. more you talk about it, I see what you're saying now. I think I understand. I want to make sure I understand exactly what you're saying. Absolutely. Because, I, I, you know, I, it's so easy to assume because there's so much information up here in the mind and there's so yes. many different beliefs out there. It's just easy to, well, all Baptists believe this. All Mormons yeah, believe don't. that. And they, they don't. <laughs> and so just, you got to hear each individual very carefully. And you say, okay, I think I understand what you're saying. And I don't think it's bad from time to time to like, all right, can I reword this using the words that I'm familiar with and see if this is what you're saying or something like that? You know? Oh, not only is that not, you have to be careful doing it though. Yeah, not only is that not bad, it is the only way to have a respectful argument with someone yep. and you have any chance of changing their mind. Yep. You must understand their position yep. to the point where you can reword it in your own, own words, words. You- to the um to to the level and have a level of approval and, and yep. where, where it is approved. Yeah. By your by the person you're arguing with, it, it indicates you don't know their position if you can't do that. Right. That that you don't really know it thoroughly. Right. You just know something you've read in a commentary or whatever. Right. Now, but if you can redo it in your own words and you say, "Okay, so not putting words in your mouth, I'm trying to make sure I understand you." So you're saying that you know whatever repentance is necessary to be saved, but baptism isn't. Right. You know, or just whatever. And as long as you're doing it honestly. They can tell. Now, if you're just trying to put words in their mouth and twist them around, that kind of, they, they pick up yeah. on that. They know. Well, so, you're, so you're saying, you know, being like a, a, yeah. a jack donkey, you know. I've, I've had discussions with people about mechanical instruments of music. And, in, and, you know, an illustrate doesn't do anything but illustrate. But sometimes you have to show, like, you, you, you basically, a, a form of argumentation to hang them on the horns of a dilemma. Well, that's a very poor tactic. Like that's that's a debate t- 